Lights that spark fire nation. JLD here with an audio masterclass on investing for a better tomorrow. To drop these value bombs, I have brought Greg Johnson and Paul West on the mic. Greg is a wealth advisor and investment baker with Sentinus. Previously, he was the founding partner at Coldwater Financial and worked at Bear Stearns, Coke Industries, and Northern Trust. He is a graduate of Creighton University and received an MBA from the University of Chicago's Booth School of Business. And Paul West is a managing partner at Carson Wealth Management in Omaha, Nebraska. Paul also has previous experience as a president and as a director of capital at professional advisors in the greater Omaha area. In Fire Nation, today we'll be talking about the importance of diversification and risk tolerance in your investment world, what investment behavior we should avoid and what we should actually adhere to, and how do you tell the difference between investment media versus actual quality investment news in the world today, and so much more Fire Nation as soon as we get back from thanking our sponsors. Loyalty and trust are both traits you'd want when it comes to financial advice and support. And the passion of Carson Wealth's financial advisors is to help people from all walks of life find their own vision of true wealth. Visit CarsonWealth.com to learn more. Greg, Paul, welcome to Entrepreneurs on Fire. We have our listeners, Fire Nation, sitting very patiently listening to all the great words of wisdom that you're going to be sharing with us about investing for a better tomorrow. And Greg, let's start with you. Um, I'm kind of curious about your thoughts on the importance of both diversification and risk tolerance when it comes to creating long-term wealth. You know, my audience are entrepreneurs, small business owners, and they really need to understand where diversification and risk tolerance are going to play in their worlds. You know, it's a good question. It's a good concept. Uh, You know, we deal with it a lot of times with our clients. You know, sometimes, you know, when we have new clients or when we're talking to, you know, uh, or trying to pitch to new people as well. But, uh, you know, what's really kind of interesting is a lot of people feel like if you're not in the market, meaning and by their terms of the market is just equities, um, that is the only way you can make a return. You know, it's the only way over the long haul you'd be successful. And if you do look at, you know, equities will perform better than, you know, obviously other uh, asset classes, you know, over the long haul. But, you know, we kind of showed our clients that if you look at, you know, the uh, uh, portfolio, just the S&P 500 since 2000 until now, and then you look at the, a diversified portfolio where it's 60 you know, 60% uh, equities, 40% bonds. You may have some high yield in that as well, may have some uh, international stocks on the equity side. But the 60-40 portfolio actually will outperform the S&P 500. And what's really interesting is you do that taking less risk. So what I really say to people is, look, there's going to be times where you go up to 70 or 80% stocks you know, there's going to be other times where you may go below 60 or, you know, 60, 40, down to 50, 50, something of that nature. But you don't just believe that by taking risk, you're going to get returns for it. And that's something that's, it's a difficult concept for people to understand, especially earlier in their careers. But it's something that once you do understand that, it's going to reward you over the long haul. 
And Fire Nation, one thing that's critical to think about is even when Greg's sharing this information and, you know, he might be talking about one or two percent, you know, of a, a higher return per year, might some people might kind of be like, ah, well, is that really that big of a deal? And the answer is it's it's a huge deal. Like it's a massive deal over the course of a 10, 20, 40 year portfolio. I mean, it literally can be the difference of millions and millions of dollars. So, Paul, what do you want to add to what Greg shared? What do you want to riff on? Greg makes some good points here. Just a piece I would add on to this is diversification is all to help people be comfortable. So when I think about risk, it's a lot of it's behavioral. Um, everyone uh, likes to chase the latest hot ideas. Uh, we're certainly seeing that here in 2020. Um, so when we had the market deterioration in uh, March, what happens? Everybody starts selling because they see other people selling. And what then happened since? Markets risen back, you know, quite nicely. So if if you did nothing, you're often, to Greg's point, in a better spot if you are properly allocated to begin with. Uh, the market's always done a wonderful job of uh, making the fool out of the majority of people. <laughs> um, and that's why having the right plan together is a really good strategy. And it's hard, right? Because you, if you see other people making money, you want to make adjustments because no, no one wants to feel like they're not the smartest person in the room. So they want to go chase returns. Um, and that's why when you build out a plan and build out you know, a target asset allocation, um, sticking to it, like Greg mentioned, is the most important thing they could do. Now, I just want to be very clear, Fire Nation, that I'm not near the level of either Greg or Paul in the financial knowledge space. You know, I did spend a few years with John Hancock in corporate finance, and I did my 6366 and my Series 7 as well. So I do kind of know the talk and I know the lingo and I understand some things, although it's been a long time. And one thing that I really was thinking about when Paul was talking was, you know, there is a big, big difficulty when people churn, when they come in and out of investments a lot, because there's just a lot of, um, there's just a lot of fees and there's just a lot of expenses that go along when you are churning in and out of things. And that's why, you know, when Paul was going through and saying, hey, like if you're actually properly allocated at the beginning and properly diversified at the beginning and you wait things out, you're oftentimes in a lot better situation because, you know, over the last 78 plus years, the market's, you know, been nicely trending up. But one thing I want to talk about, and let's stick with you here, Paul, on this one, is how can an investor enter and exit a position uh, properly? Because I know that we don't want to do this often, but you know, there's times when you do want to actually get in or get out of a specific position. How do they do that properly given their specific time horizon? There's probably several different pathways you can go down with this, John. But I mean, you're talking about specific positions. They usually mean someone's investing with money that I'm going to call it is uh, uh, disposable because they're now making a calculated risk on when to get in and when to get out. So there is certain timing things. And what we see, and especially for all your listeners, if they're working or they're busy during the day, then they're not making trades during core hours. So what's easy to do? You're sitting at home at night, you're on your iPad, and you're looking up stuff, you're doing your own research. You're like, oh, I really like this. And so you go enter in an order, but now you're dealing with aftermarket trading hours. So you need to be smart about when you're actually implementing your trade because uh, good traders know that um, people who don't do this as frequently will push the buttons at odd times of day. 
And so, especially if they don't understand the difference between what we call market orders versus limit orders, where you actually name your price, is people can be caught off guard. So we want them to be careful with that. And, you know, like getting in and out is, you know, I always advise against it because you're just, you're, you're guessing. I'd almost rather say, hey, who do you like to bet on the football game? Because you probably have just <laughs> as good of a chance to get that one right. And I really like your point also about disposable income. I've always been a believer in having your core and then your explore. So you have your core, you know, that's going to be that rightly diversified where you're, you know, in it for the long haul. This is the long term time horizon. But, you know, you can have that explore if you really want to, you know, test your waters in a few things, but it should be within that disposable income bracket. Now, let's kind of move over to you, Greg, and what would you share as far as correctly and properly entering and exit a position, you know, given people's specific time horizon? You know, it's kind of interesting because the old adage is it's, you know, it's always easier to buy a stock. You know, it's difficult to sell, right? And I think for a lot of people, you know, it may not affect them early on, but later in life, you know, taxes really come into play. Yeah. So, You've really got to understand what your hold period periods are and what the what are the taxes associated with that. And the other thing you found out, especially earlier this year, is you know, unfortunately, uh, gains sometimes make decisions for people, right? They're they want to avoid a gain because now all of a sudden you have a taxable event. And what I'd put it out to, and you, you really have to educate sometimes your clients and say, you know, look. Gains are a good thing because that means you were successful, right? So you can't let those decisions drive, you know, whether or not you you hold or sell because you can hold on to it and all of a sudden the stock then, you know, depletes and, you know, yeah, it's break even or a loss and you're excited that you had a loss and that doesn't make sense. But, you know, we will do a lot of things during periods of time for, for, people where we'll sometimes cultivate losses to uh, offset gains. So we look at taxes that way. But, you know, kind of back to your original decision, what you're originally pointing out, you know, when you're when you're invested in a company, you kind of have to go in with a mantra. Is this something I really want to hold on to? You know, and that's part of a core. So I'm going to buy it. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to write it out. I'm going to take it. I'm going to look at it every so often. Or is it something where, look, I think this is something that could take off for whatever event may be occurring. There's something associated with the individual stock, something associated with the industry, you know, whatever that might be. And then you really got to, you got, really have to watch it. And, you know, much to what Paul was saying, then it's kind of like, okay, that's something I'm trading. So, I need to understand that when I get in and maybe it moves up, I need to put in a stop limit order or something of that nature so I can make sure I capture the gains. Because for the most part, everybody's everybody works. So this is what your this isn't your full time job. So but you need to protect, you know, your assets over time. So you need to understand what that trading terminology is and how to achieve those goals. Fire Nation, we still have a lot of value bombs to drop in this whole topic, and it's going to be really good stuff when we're talking about you know, some really uh, important investment behavior that we should be avoiding and what we should be adhering to as soon as we get back from thanking our sponsors. 
Fire Nation, we all want lifestyle and financial freedom, but where do you start? The passion of Carson Wealth's financial advisors is to help people from all walks of life find their own vision of true wealth. That means helping you define what true wealth looks like for you, putting a plan in place to help you pursue your vision, then helping you maintain the true wealth you've achieved. When you choose Carson Wealth for your financial advice and support, their team of financial advisors will design a plan to evaluate your current financial situation and direct you toward true financial freedom. Carson Wells' disciplined, time-tested investment strategies provide your portfolio with the proactive service you need to pursue your goals. If you're ready to define what true wealth looks like for you, visit carsonwealth.com to learn more. That's carsonwealth.com. Businesses have to be flexible this year, from working remotely to pivoting their business models for long-term survival and growth. Just look at all the restaurants that have moved their dining outdoors or added takeout to their offerings, or the major retailers who are now designing and selling face masks. If you're in charge of hiring for your business, these pivots have made your job even more challenging, especially when you have to hire for brand new roles. Thankfully, there's one place you can always count on to make hiring faster and easier, ziprecruiter.com slash fire. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over 100 top job boards with one click. Then ZipRecruiter's powerful technology finds people with the right skills and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. It's no wonder that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See for yourself, right now you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. Let ZipRecruiter take hiring off your plate so you can focus on growing your business. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Greg, Paul, we are back. And Greg, let's stick with you on this one. What is an investment behavior that we really need to avoid? And on the flip side, also share something that you really love when investors actually do adhere to this specific behavior. I think it's more the cocktail talk as we refer to it. Get together with friends and they start talking about some stock that they invested in and now all of a sudden you're envious and you're you're catching at the at the end now what you realize you know as you get older in life nobody at these you know when you have the cocktail talk occurs nobody talks about the ones that they got in that went the (laughs) other direction and went south right so you know you have to understand that so you know, there's a theory out there, you know, and it's actually a factor. And sometimes we use it for, you know, clients' portfolios, and it's called momentum. And sometimes, you know, if you get in the stock at the tail end, the momentum's gone, you know, and you can look at numerous examples of, you know, of growth stock now and tech stocks that are just through the roof. And when you break down the fundamental analysis of those stocks right now, you know, you're starting to realize that they're really looking at a room for growth on the planet Earth and they're going to have to go to Mars to, <laughs> you know, capture more market share. So, oh, you know, what I say to a lot of people is you have to avoid, you know, avoid that, you know, sense of envy from what somebody else is saying or looking at the stock screen and saying, gosh, I should have bought yeah, that. Now total and, FOMO. And you really got to take a look and say, does it make sense to get into now? You know, but if you've done your homework and you've gotten in, if you've done some research, you know, and there's a lot of tools that you have at your fingertips, you know, then it then it's conviction. And then you can get in and really take a hard look at something. But 
you know, that's uh, that's one of the things that would challenge any new investor to try to avoid. And what would be something that you would really want them to adhere to? When you set a plan, stay to that plan, you know, and then review it. You know, set your timetables to review your portfolio, review that plan and see you see how it's performing. But, you know, Warren Buffett obviously has been the legend of long-term investing, right? Buying something and holding it long-term, you know, and I think it's more challenging now as big as he is. But, you know, there's a lot of of rationale behind that. Now, I think he was very fortunate in a lot of things that took place and a lot of things worked for him and so forth. But I would say uh, in today's day and age, it's going to be more and more difficult, you know, to achieve some of those long-term goals just with the nature of how the capital markets work. So you need to review your portfolio. You need to say, does it make sense to have this capital allocated towards this company? Are there better opportunities out there? And you need to look at that every several, you know, whatever that time period is, annually, every other year, whatever the case may be. But those are the things I would want to have my clients, you know, adhere to or a young investor. So you are both very successful at what you do. So, Paul, I want to direct this question to you about what specific personal advice that you give to a new investor that, frankly, just the majority of the public doesn't normally hear. They're just not familiar with. First of all, people don't get rich quick, so they need to understand that. And I think a lot of times with investing when they have to realize is it's the long term that wins. And I, I think about this all the time, that if they if they build their right game plan and start investing and, and systematically, right? It's simple for people in 401k plans, profit sharing programs to, to do that systematic investing. Um, but when you meet some of the wealthiest people as Greg and I get to in our great profession, it's the people that have been continuously executing and implementing the plan versus those that have been guessing along the way. And so what people don't realize is, hey, later in life, and if you're sitting there on the deathbed, are you talking about how great your performance was or how good of a stock picker you were? No, you actually talk reminisce about all the great times you had in life with your family, with your vacations, your trips, those types of things. And those are all things that you helped implement your goals which are way more important than you than you know if you got uh, lucky or right on individual stock things. But what you can remember is, I'm so glad when I was 24 and I started putting $200 a month away. Or I'm so glad that I made that decision to buy our first house. Or I'm so glad that I paid off my college debt early. Or whatever those things were, John. Those are the things that we find that people who follow those have the most success. So Greg, one thing that I really struggle with personally right now, because I'm no longer in the industry, is how do I actually discern between crappy news and good news? Meaning, you see a lot of really interesting investment media news that's out there, and then you do hopefully see some quality investment news out there, but a lot of people, even including myself, have a hard time really understanding which is which, like what's the investment media crap news and what's the quality investment news? How can we discern that? It's really tough to really disseminate what's the difference between the two. And that's something I think everybody's going to have to pick up on your own, right? And it's interesting because I could look back and remember when, you know, first 
you know, dot com started and you started seeing all these different sources that became available. And what's really kind of interesting is, you know, now there's, you know, is a plethora of information out there. So it's something where you really gotta have to take a look and say, okay, who's advocating, you know, for these certain sites in this news, you know, and what makes sense. I mean, there's often a, there's an adage, you know, you don't want to trade off the news, right? Because you're going to get caught. You know, I mean, a lot of level-headed investors will try to understand, okay, what's really moving this and what isn't, you know, because sometimes some of this news, and it may be bad news, is actually creates a better buying opportunity. So, you know, it's it's something where it, it's tough to it's it's tough to say, and people may not realize that. And you may own a stock, and all of a sudden something comes up, and you're just unsure what to do. You know, and that's something where I say to you know, I would say to a lot of people, well, okay, let's sit back and let's look at this. You know, what are your overall goals? You know, if you already have gains and you're worried, then maybe take half the half the position off the table. You know, and or, you know, if you still like the company and fundamentally it's sound, okay, let's add more to it. You know, you can, you know, layer in your position. So it, it's kind of different at the end of the day. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, it still comes down to fundamental analysis, you know, and that's, and that's something that will always be true with any public or private company. You know, it's it's understanding, you know, how those five forces really affect this company and what the opportunity looks like for the future. So, Paul, I know this is getting just a little in the weeds, but I think it's a really important topic. And so I, I'd love to get specific on it because I really think it's going to help out a bunch of our listeners. So let's define the amount of income and savings that individuals should be actually investing based on their stage in life. Like, you know, for example, investing as college students versus their first job, you know, maybe when they're 23, 24, 25, you know, versus 30 years down the road where they, you know, maybe see retirements on the horizon. I love to use the phrase, and I heard this one time from a colonel. He said, in order um, to be selfless, you need to be selfish. And what he means by that, and I, I applied that to our world of providing wealth management advice, is you better make sure you're taking care of yourself. So when you're younger, right, putting money into your retirement plan as much as you possibly can. Um, you may have a dream of your kids and paying for their college, so investing in that. And those are all taking up a lot of your uh, disposable income, or you're maybe breaking even, or worse yet, you're in significant debt. So it, it's figuring out each stage on what's important for you. So maybe your goal isn't to pay for your kid's college. So you don't need to make that. So it's hard to put an actual number on it until you understand what their goals are. But what I would tell you is, is you should never sacrifice um, your own uh, personal plan to be taking care of other things because there, there's so much actual evidence behind this is consumers have a fear of no one wants to be 85 years old, full of life, and financially dependent on anyone else. So, nor does anybody want to be working at that standpoint. So that's why they have to, as each stage goes along, make sure what they've contributed at the beginning, middle, and end uh, all matches up to how they want to live out their life there. 
So Paul, you shared a lot of knowledge, a lot of value throughout this entire interview. What would be just one key takeaway? If there's just one thing out of all the things that you shared today that you would really want our listeners to really walk away with, what would that thing be? I call it avoid recency bias. When what I mean by that is when you uh, went out to eat last, John or Greg, what do you do? You remember that meal. Totally. Oh, that was a really good steak dinner. This was a good this. So you make your next decision based on what you did last. So maybe you had a great stock pick and it turned out to be a good decision. Or maybe you had a bad one, so you don't like investing. Or maybe you bought a bond and now all of a sudden they're paying out 2% less than they used to be. So what the good listeners are, I want them to hear, and I'm sure they're all great listeners for you, John, is that if they don't um, stick to not, not just their plan, but figure out, hey, life's all about what we call money moments and money memories. All of us, and you know, those of us, right, we all have kids, when do you remember what you did with them and how you felt? So in order for good investors to feel good, they have to have a true understanding of what their goals are. And I don't actually like those commercials, I won't name the name, when they say, hey, my retirement number is 2,457,132. That's a number. That doesn't mean it's it's going to help you fulfill out life the way you want to. Um, and we find the people that actually implement a written plan related to their goals, those are the ones that are going to feel fantastic. So Greg, over to you. What is the one thing that you really want to make sure our listeners walk away from everything that both you and Paul share today? Especially for new investors, it's a long-term process. I think we talked about it early on. There are no quick fixes in anything in life. And you know, what you have to learn from, you know, you have to learn from your mistakes. You know, we talk about that, we talk about that with our children. And you are gonna have these along the way. And I think Paul kind of put it best. I mean, you wanna you wanna have a short memory on certain items, but you wanna gain knowledge along the way. And I think, you know, it's gonna be really interesting for a lot of these kids because I shouldn't say young adults I apologize um, there are going to be a lot of changes coming up in the future and it's going to be very interesting for people to navigate through those and it's an exciting time I mean you're seeing now uh, just how important technology is and you're going to see you know take advantage of mega trends through time you know and Try to identify what those are and then align portions of your portfolio to take advantage of those. But, you know, as, as Paul pointed out, the other thing you're going to look back at in life, it, you know, you can't, you can't take your money with you, you know, when you die. You know, so it's the other experiences you have. And I think it's something for everybody to keep in mind at the end of the day. Take advantage of megatrends over time. Love that phrase. And Fire Nation, remember this. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. You've been hanging out with some pretty smart financial guys today. GJ, PW, and JLD. So keep up that heat and head over to eofire.com and type Greg or Paul in the search bar and their show notes page will pop up with everything we talked about today. And I just want to say, Greg and Paul, big thank you on behalf of myself and Fire Nation for sharing your truth, your knowledge, your value with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you. Great. Thank you. 
Hey, Fire Nation. Today's value bomb content was brought to you by Greg and Paul and Creighton. And one thing I've identified over the years is that successful entrepreneurs are productive. They're disciplined. They are focused. That's why I created the Mastery Journal. It is a gorgeous full leather journal that will ensure you master productivity, discipline, and focus in 100 days. It's my best work ever. Visit themasteryjournal.com. Use promo code podcast for a $15 discount. And thank you for listening to my podcast. And I'll catch you there or I'll catch you on the flip side. Loyalty and trust are both traits you'd want when it comes to financial advice and support. And the passion of Carson Wealth's financial advisors is to help people from all walks of life find their own vision of true wealth. Visit CarsonWealth.com to learn more.